Good evening, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Again, my name is Sam, Pastor Sam. I'm the youth pastor, and uh, it is an honor. It's a privilege to come here every Wednesday night and, uh, and to gather with you. I'm excited for summer camp. All right, who's, who's going to summer camp? Just show of hands. Who already knows for sure? You're raising your hand, and you're saying, unless Jesus comes back, nothing can stop me, right? All right, good, good. How many people are kind of on the fence? You're like, I don't really know, but I may be convinced. Anyone? You're like, I'm not sure, but okay, cool. I, I respect that. I respect that. Come over to my house tonight. I'll feed you cookies and pizza, and uh, I can try to convince you. Um, <laughs> all right, good. I'll be at summer camp. Um, how many people were at church this past Sunday? Was, were anybody at the gathering? Did you guys like the speaker? Did you guys really like the speaker? All right, I, I was hoping you'd like him because he's actually our summer camp speaker. And so Jake Gamble will be preaching summer camp, and uh, so you definitely don't want to miss it. We're going to be going through Philippians chapter 3, worth it. So um, let's get going here tonight. What we're going to do is, for the next 30 minutes or so, why don't you guys go ahead and open up your Bibles. Uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't bring your own Bible, if you happen to forget, on your way in, there are some tables that we always have Bibles there, so you can grab those um, if you need a Bible. Um, we usually try not to do it on our phones, just because how many people, let's be honest, Distraction city on our phones, right? I'm the kind of guy that my wife is talking to me and I'm like, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna listen. And my phone goes, bzz, bzz, and I'm like, right, I'm gone, right? <laughs> what? The, yes, yes, that's me. Thank you very much for blowing up my spot, Chris. So anyway, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna open up our Bibles and uh, for the next few moments, we're gonna read through a passage. We're gonna go verse by verse and I want you to ask yourself the question, what is God saying to me through this? Right? We believe that God is real, we believe that God is humongous, and yet he still speaks to us, and one of the primary ways that he does so, students, is how? Through the word, right, through his Bible. And so again, open up your Bibles. Josh Holman was so kind as to read our text today, and, um, and we're gonna be in verses 12 through 18. How do you respond when things don't go your way? How do you Young ladies, young men, how do you respond honestly when things don't get, go according to your plan? All right? Do I have any, uh, any, any uh, anxious annies in here, right? Things aren't according to plan. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe, anybody get super anxious because you're just like, so according to the plan? Yeah, you're like, I don't want to raise my hand because this wasn't planned tonight, <laughs> right? I didn't know I was going to be raising my hand. I would have worn something different on my nails, right? Some of you get anxious. How many people get angry? Anybody just get like super frustrated? Like you're a planner and you're like, yo, I put so much effort into this plan and now it's gonna go, and you just wanna like destroy someone, right? You're the kind of person that invented the term throat punch, right? Okay, okay. How about any, anybody else in here, maybe a little bit different, where you're, you're the kind of person that things don't go according to plan and you just despair, right? Any despairs in here? You kind of just throw your hands up and you're like, what's the point? What's the point? I, I don't even want to get out of bed anymore, right? And your mom was like, you have to get out of bed. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, right? You're late for school. Actually, it's over. You missed it. So I might as well just sleep, right? <laughs> Almost missed it. You're like, I can catch lunch, snack, whatever they do. Do they do anything at 2 o'clock? Do they, don't even do, they don't even do snack. Dude, I had the best invention. When I was a kid, I would come home. This is, I don't know where I'm going with this. I would come home, and I would literally eat my parents out of house and home, right? Anybody? You come home, and it's like, just like shave, just like, right? All the Oreo cookies. You don't eat two. You eat two sleeves, right? That was me. And I just go, I have an idea. Why don't we just feed snacks 
in school and like we can all just get along. You know, people think that, people think you guys are angry and, and, and frustrating individuals. I understand you though, guys, you're just hangry, right? All of you teenagers that are like, I'm just hormonal and I have mood swings, you're just hungry, right? I don't know how I got there. But um, anyway, how do you respond when things don't go according to plan? I, you guys, if you get to know me for any amount of time, you know that I love movies, right? And I just, I'm the kind of guy that when I watch a movie, I just feel like I'm in it, right? And so I just, I, I relate very easily to movies. And so here's a very common scene, all right? Spy movies. Favorite. You're in a spy movie, right? And here is the mission. You are on an airplane. You are going to jump out of the airplane secretly into the mountains, parachuting. Don't worry, you will have an older man who knows the terrain and he will be your guide. And he will slip you into the terrain and out and you have 24 hours to accomplish your mission. And of course, like every mission, it's gonna go according to plan, right? Yeah, right, then you wouldn't have the movie. So you're on the plane and you're and you're like, all right, I'm gonna jump out of this airplane and I'm gonna save the world in two and a half hours so that we can fit it in the theaters, right? And you're gonna do this, and all of a sudden it's like, the pilot dies in the cockpit. And you're like, awesome, right? He's just like, just leaning over there. And then it's like, the plane is leaking fuel. Awesome, it's going down. All right, buddy, we're gonna have to jump. Buddy, buddy, great, your guy just had a random heart attack right before you had to jump, right? I mean, this is not like every spot, right? And so you have to jump out of the airplane, and now you don't have 24 hours, you have eight hours. Now you're not gonna be in there in secret, your plane is gonna crash a few miles away and make a big boom, and everybody's gonna know you're there, right? Everybody's gonna be looking for you. Nothing is going according to plan. There are things in your way that are frustrating the plan, and it causes you to go, I think this is mission impossible. That would make a great movie series, would it not? Or a sermon title. How do you respond when things don't go according to plan? Have you ever had your life feel like that scene in a movie? <laughs> Am I the only one, right? You have a plan, and maybe I'm being dramatic here, but it feels like because of the circumstances, because of the people, you feel like you're in that plane and everything is going nowhere. How do you respond when things don't go according to the plan. Tonight we're gonna look at Paul here, right? We're gonna see Paul's life, and Paul is on a mission, you could say. The Apostle Paul, he's actually on God's mission, and like most missions, things don't always go according to plan. And so tonight, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at the text, and tonight I want you to see how Paul responds when things don't go according to plan. And as we look at Paul, I want you guys to ask yourself, all right? Students, I want you to ask yourself honestly, how do you respond when things don't go according to plan? Let's look at our text here, starting in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. You're like, Star Wars in the Bible? You got that right. So throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
Let's pause there, guys. The first thing that we see is that difficult situations will not stop God's plan. First thing I want you to see tonight, if you're taking notes, you, I have notes every week here. You can grab your pen. You can take notes and fill it in. Difficult situations will not, cannot, will never stop God's plan. And so you got to understand this. Paul, he's on a mission, right? Can we use that language here? Paul's on a mission, and what's his mission? He wants to tell everyone about the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Paul is on a mission, and he's telling people. He's telling young ladies, young men, old men, old women. He's telling everybody, listen, God wants to reconcile. He wants to save you and rescue you and put you in relationship with himself. And you're stuck. You can't do it. And so Paul is telling everyone, hey, you don't need to do it, though, because God sent Jesus. And so he's going everywhere. He's going to the towns saying, God sent Jesus. He's going over here. God sent Jesus to rescue you. And then one day, didn't go according to plan. Instead of going to the synagogues, instead of going throughout the city to tell people about Jesus, he gets arrested. He gets beaten up. He gets thrown into a whatever dimension prison cell. And he has to sit there while he awaits trial in Rome. Do you guys think that the mission's gonna be going on for much longer? Honestly, right? The mission, tell as many people who Jesus is. Mission impossible. You're now in a jail cell, bruh. You're licking your wounds in prison, bruh. Everything in the situation is flashing on the game screen. Game over, game over, game over, right? Where's the reset button? These are difficult situations that make everything seem like it's going to stop. He can't tell people about Jesus. He's in chains. But look what happens. All right, here's the but. All right, here's where I'm going here. Even though it looks like the game is over, look what he says. He goes, I want you to know something, citizens. I want you to know that what has happened to me, actually, in reality, it's actually served to advance the gospel. So think about this. He can't tell people about Jesus. Why? Because he's in what? He's in chains. And yet he's in chains and somebody needs to watch the prisoner, right? Somebody needs to bring him his little bowl of bread and broth and take out the refuse and give him a new bucket to empty his bladder into. I mean, somebody's got to do those things, right? And so the guards, they come over and they're like, dude, you look jacked up. Oh my gosh, you're bleeding. You got black eyes. What happened to you? Yeah, I got beat up. Whoa, dude, what, what did you do? Dude, did you like kill someone? What did you do to land in prison? Actually, I, I got beat up because I was telling people about Jesus and I was telling them the good news that God wants to save them, that God actually loves them and he's real and he wants to bring them into his family. And so I was telling people that and they're like, dude, what? You got beat up for that? Why would you ever get beat up for that? Well, actually, because Jesus Christ, like God's son, revealed himself to me in glory and in person. And dude, I'm, I surrendered my life to him. I used to be a Jew, but like now I live for Jesus. And guess what happens? <laughs> the guards, they're listening and they come back every day and they're hearing them, right? The very guards that are meant to keep him from the mission, they're now having the gospel preached to them. And they get saved. They get saved. 
You get to the end of the book, and we'll get there in a couple months, but you get to the end of the book, and, and you gotta love Paul, man. He's so perky, even though he's in prison. He's like, hey, so tell all my boys that I said hello. Those who are with me, they, say, they send greetings. Look what he says in verses 21 to 22. It's up on the screen. He says, the brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of who? Especially those of Caesar's household. Philippians chapter 4, 21 and 22. He says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So here he is in prison, but the guards have now responded to the gospel. Do you guys get it? Do you guys see that even the most difficult situations will not stop God's plan? And so you look at it as students. You look at Paul's situation. You look at his chains and the circumstances that you think would stop God's plan and purposes are actually the things that advance his plan and purposes. Do you see that? Friends, what I want you to realize tonight is this. I want you to see how our God, the God who created the universe, I want you to see how he handles even the most difficult of situations. I want you to see how he handles the hurdles that are in your life. Because it's one thing, let me, let me see this, right? It's one thing if I were to throw an obstacle in God's way, right? Boom, hurdle. It's one thing to say, God is so big, he can get around the hurdle, right? And then we can talk about that. God is so big, you try to put a hurdle in his way, whoop, he sidestepped it, right? You're like, God runs track? <laughs> we'll get there, sorry, sorry, no, no. Listen, it's one thing to overcome a hurdle, to get around it. It's another thing to say this, that the very hurdle that was put in my way to stop me, I actually used it and I springboarded and I propelled and I got faster because of it. Do you see the difference? It's one thing, friends, if you're running a race and I say, oh, I'm gonna get him," and I throw a giant chair. <laughs> Who throws chairs in their paths, right? When I was in high school, let me tell you, I'm just kidding, don't do that, right? But if you're running and I throw a chair in your way, it's one thing to say, Eric Harrison, he is so strong that he was able to sidestep the hurdle. It's another thing to say, Eric Garrison, he's so strong that he was able to use the hurdle and he actually springboarded off of it and ran faster because of it. In the same way, God is so strong. The, the word here that we'll learn, God is so sovereign. He is so in control that the very hurdles, friends, that are in your life, that you will look at them and go, dude, it's game over. There's no way the mission is gonna be accomplished now. Those are the very things that sometimes God uses and actually accomplishes it anyway. That's how God handles even the most difficult of circumstances. And so the word here that I want you to learn from, there's a, there's a concept here in these first few verses that I don't want you to just know it tonight. I want you to understand this for the rest of your life because if you could understand this concept, it will change your life forever. And it's called the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty, everybody say sovereignty. Sovereignty, sovereignty right? You know how I talk about tattoos? That's my next tattoo. God's sovereign, and it's so important, it's on my forehead this time, all right? And so next, next week, fresh ink, fresh ink, all right? My mom gave me permission. And so here's what God's sovereignty means, all right? Let's get the definition. Nice hurdle, dude, that's sharp. Let's get the definition on the screen of God's sovereignty, ready? This is what it means when I say here at Citizens, when we talk about it in youth group that God is sovereign, this is what we mean. 
God, he plans and carries out his perfect will as he alone knows his best over all that is in heaven and on earth. And check this out. And he does so without failure or defeat. (laughs) What kind of God are you worshiping, right? What kind of God do we sing about in our songs? It's this kind of God. He is the God who is planning and carrying out his perfect will. He's a God on a mission. God is on a mission, friends. He's on a mission to tell your friends in school about the gospel. He's on a mission to draw people that our hearts just aren't pain for because they don't know God. He's on a mission to rescue them and bring them into the family. He's on a mission. For those of you who are already Christians, he's on a mission to transform you. He's on a mission to take your heart and to change it and to make it like Christ. God is on a mission. That is his perfect will. And guess what? Can't stop him. You can't stop God. He will take, he will do his will over all that is in heaven and earth, and he will do so without failure or defeat. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. How many of you can think of some difficult circumstances that you've encountered in life? Let me see. How many of you? How many of you have ever come to a difficult situation and you're going, you know what, man, this is, this is deep. This is not like, oh my gosh, I stubbed my toe. This is, this is real life. You come home and you find out that your parent lost his job, right, or her job. And you're like, oh, snap. You get into a fight with a friend that's more than just like, give me my pencil. It's like, dude, this is like painful. This is like straight up betrayal. You come to those situations in your life where, where, you, where you find out that you have a, the death of a loved one in your family, right? A family member. Those are real life situations, man. Those are deep. Those are heavy. And what happens is we look at these circumstances as students, even as adults, as staffers, we look at these situations and we always want to go, why? Why did this happen? If God is sovereign, if God is so big, why is this difficult situation in my life right now? And as your youth pastor, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to tell you we don't always know. The Bible doesn't always tell us why things happen, but here's what the Bible does show us, and we see it in this verse. Even when God doesn't tell you why, he tells you who. Even when God doesn't tell you why things are happening, he tells you and he points you to the who. He says, remember that God is sovereign and that God, he can take a situation in your life, he can take a circumstance that there's nothing good about it and he can work that together for good. It doesn't mean that we go, la, 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 I'm not listening, I'm pretending, nothing's wrong. No, no, we look at our sovereign God and we say, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, nothing will stop God. He will do so without failure or defeat. And another tattoo verse, right, another coffee mug scripture that you guys have probably heard is Romans 8, 28, right? Show them Romans 8, 28 here. For God works together for good, all things together for good for those who love him. Romans 8, 28, that's what it's talking about here. That God takes the most difficult of situations, the most difficult of circumstances, and he can bring good out of it to accomplish his plan. So number one, students, difficult circumstances, difficult situations will not stop God's plan. 
Let's keep going here, all right? Because we see number two in the next verses that difficult people will not stop God's plan. Everybody's like, yep, I know difficult people. Well, let's look at the difficult people here, shall we? Look at the next few verses, starting in verse 15. Some indeed, everybody say some. Yeah, Paul has a lot to say about the some, right? Some people up in her, right? Some people indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter, they do it out of love because they know that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. But the former, they proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? So what are we gonna do about it? What then? He says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Friends, difficult, difficult situations cannot stop God. Difficult people cannot stop God. Difficult people will not stop God's plan. So we see in verse 14, remember we saw how, how God springboarded from the chains? That there were people who were more motivated. There were people that were more inspired to go preach the gospel because of Paul's chains. And you go, wow, God used the chains. But there were some people who were not so motivated. There were some people that when they saw Paul in prison, let's just show them, right? Let's, let's show them up here on the screen. We have the sum. And so look at the sum. There, there's some who are sharing the gospel in love, right? There's some who have sincere motives. They have a genuine desire to exalt Jesus. They see Paul in prison and they go, man, this is so real. I'm in. And they go. And now look at the others. These are the, uh, the difficult people, all right? These are the people that they share the gospel in jealousy. They go, oh man, Paul became famous. Everybody loves Paul. Paul, 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 right? Everybody likes Paul, but now he's in prison, so guess whose time it is? Your boy, right? Paul's in prison, it's my time to shine. It's my time to become famous. And so they're jealous, and they're going out preaching because they want to become the next Trip Lee, right? They want to become the next famous preacher of the gospel. They have false motives. They're not doing it out of love, they're doing it because they want to get paid. <laughs> they have ambition. And then finally, it says that they have this desire to compete. Have you ever like, met people that they, it was, it's almost like they want to compete with you, and you're like, I don't even want to play whatever game you're playing right now, right? I, I had a, a buddy in college, and, and we were friends, but it was almost like every time we got a test back, he was like, what'd you get? And I'm like, yeah. I don't really want to tell you right now. I'm not ashamed of it. I'll probably beat you anyway. No, no, I didn't say that. Right? I'm not ashamed of it, but I just, I feel like you're always like, hey, hey, dude. Hey, I'm stronger than you. Hey, hey, come on. And it's just like, dude, what? it's not a competition, right? That's the kind of people that Paul is talking about here, okay? These are people who say, hey, now he's in prison, so it's my turn. It's my turn. You see how twisted this is? Raise your hand if you understand that this is twisted. Okay, good. Raise your hand if you don't understand it, but you want to understand it anyway. All right, good, good, all right? You got to understand that this is super twisted. This is not just like, oh, they're so annoying, this is seriously messed up because preaching Christ, oh man, I can go on about this forever. Preaching Christ is never about building your brand. Can we say it that way? Preaching Christ is never a means to being known. I want to be well known, so I'm going to like be a Bible teacher or I want to become famous. Guys, that's why citizens here, you're never, ever, ever going to hear us talk about us versus other youth groups, right? Oh, we compete with other youth groups and oh, we're better here. Dude, you know what? 
it's not about being better. It's not about becoming famous. It's about Jesus becoming famous, right? So the reason why we're up here is because we want to exalt Jesus. And yet these difficult people are saying, exalt me, all right? Seriously twisted. But look at what Paul says, and this is where you guys just have to like sink your teeth into this, all right? This is what Paul says. This is what he realizes. He goes, even if people are preaching from wrong motives, even if there's difficult people in your life, even if there's youth groups that are trying to like promote their own thing, at the end of the day, at least they're talking about Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, Paul, did you take your good pills today? Because I would have flipped out, right? Paul is here. How would you feel? Paul is here and he's in prison and all of his opponents who want to compete him are out there running rampant. How would you feel? Oh, well, Lord bless their hearts. <laughs> I'd be like, kill them! That's how I would feel. But yet he looks at it and he goes, hey, at the end of the day, the gospel is being spread. At the end of the day, difficult people will not stop God's plan. At the end of the day, nothing will stop God's plan because he is sovereign. And he will do it without failure. And so I just think about it, all right? Just think about it. You're in prison the thing that you feel like God has called you to do, you're just, man, you, you don't even feel like you're living right now because you're here in prison and, and there's other people sending you hate mail, right? Hey, uh, while you're rotting in jail, you scumbag, I uh, just converted like 15 people. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's right. Oh, snap. Burn. How would you feel? Look how Paul feels. Look at the final verse here. Look at our last verse, guys. Check this out. Check this out. Look at the last verse. Here's how he feels as he rots in prison. Verse 18. Only that in every way. Only. I'm only concerned about this. This is all that matters. Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. In that, I rejoice. And so here's what happens, friends, when difficult circumstances come up. When difficult people come into your life, here are your two options, okay? The first option is that you can despair. The first option is that you look at the circumstances, you look at the people that are giving you a hard time, and you just despair. You, you look at the circumstances and you say, life is out of control. Throw your hands up and drop them. Repeat, not now. I'm saying that's what you do, right? You look at life and you despair. You look at it and you say, this is game over. I'm in prison. There's people that are against me. Game over. You're the kind of person, when you despair, it's like you're in the plane and you look at the cockpit and you say, you know what? The cockpit is empty. The pilot is dead. The plane is going down. It's over. Game over. That's what you do when you despair. Life is out of control. But we see that Paul doesn't despair, does he? It's because Paul's a super Christian. Yeah! No, it's not he's a super Christian. What he does is he rejoices. He rejoices in the midst of his circumstances because he says to himself, he goes, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Life is not out of control. God is in control. Guys, eyes up here. Listen to me. Listen to me. Check this out. Life sucks for Paul. Circumstances 
people, there's drama, there's grown men sticking their tongue out at Paul, and he's like, are you 12? No offense, 12-year-olds, right? But what I'm, what I'm saying is, listen, Linda, listen, right? What I'm saying is, life is horrible, and yet he can look at the cockpit, and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, the cockpit is not unmanned. God is in the driver's seat, and he has his hands firmly on the stick, and he's going to bring this plane to the exact spot that he wanted to land, and he will do so without failure or defeat. And how does that make him feel? When he looks at the plane and he says, God has his hand firmly on the joystick, He has comfort. He has joy. He looks on the one hand and he sees his difficult situation, but then he looks on the other hand and he remembers God is sovereign. And when you realize, students, man, when you, when you're, when you grow in your understanding, like we prayed last week, when you grow in your knowledge of God and in your understanding, you start to realize his strength. You start to realize his stability. You start to realize his sovereignty. And that produces in you, that gives you the ability in God's sovereignty to exchange your despair for joy. And as we wrap it up here, friends, that's what Paul did. In God's sovereignty, I exchange my despair for joy. I exchange my despair for joy. And so Paul's in chains. He's in prison. But he says to himself, God's in control. I'm going to exchange my despair for joy. You guys come home and you experience crisis. You can say to yourself, God's in control. I'm going to exchange my despair for joy. Your family experiences a disaster or the, the country experiences a disaster. You look at that and you go, God's in control. I'm going to exchange my despair for joy. Your parents sit you down and they tell you how horrible the financial need is right now. You don't despair. You go, hey, wait a minute. God's in control. I can exchange my despair for joy because God is sovereign. And so students, as we respond tonight, here's what, I, here's what I want us to do. I want you to bring to your mind the people. I want you to bring to mind the, the circumstances and the situations that cause you to maybe go, I don't know how this is going to happen. This is mission impossible. This is game over. I, how, will this, how will we ever recover? And so on the one hand, I want you to think of those things, Okay. But then on the other hand, I want you to practice. I want you to set your mind and start to rehearse or, or to mull over or to think about how big God is and that how sovereign he is. How many people have a, a piece of jewelry on right now that has a cross? Anybody have a cross on them? You're wearing a cross? Okay. Anybody have like a cross like uh, in, their, in their home somewhere or a picture? Yeah, Okay. Maybe like on the back of your phone, you have the cross, and it's like, glow in the dark, and you're like, I don't think it went like that, but it makes a cool background, right? I want you to ask yourself this, all right? Why is it that a symbol for death and crucifixion, why is it that the Roman death penalty is the Christian symbol that we hang up everywhere? Have you ever thought about that? 
You guys wear your cross necklaces, and you're like, I got a new Christmas gift. And you go to school, and your friends are like, what's that? And you go, it's the Roman death penalty. <laughs> and you're like, ha, 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 right? <laughs> like, wow, you weirdo. I mean, I want you to say that. I just want to know for a moment. And if you catch it on video, you automatically get to go on the party bus that's going to camp, right? I mean, just like, I want to see somebody's face. You wear your big chain, right? And it's all like, blah, cross. And they're like, oh, you're spiritual. And you're like, actually, it represents death. Like, touche. All right, thank you. See you later, all right? Think about it. Think about it. The cross. The cross, more than anything in history, represents difficult circumstances brought by the hands of difficult people, does it not? More than anything you've ever gone through in your life, the cross is the climax of the difficult situation brought about by difficult people. And yet we parade the cross we wear the cross, we tap the cross, we sing the cross, we high five the cross. I mean, we do everything with the cross here because it is our reminder that God took difficult circumstances and difficult people and he still accomplished his plan through it. The cross is like our, it's like our guide. It's like our symbol. The, the, the cross is our, it's like our answer key through which we see all of life's situations. So when we see difficult circumstances and difficult people, it's like we hold the cross over and we go, oh yeah, God is still sovereign and he can use those things to accomplish his will. And so my prayer for you tonight, young men, young women, older men, older women, my prayer is that in God's sovereignty, you would exchange your despair for joy. Let's have the band come up. We're gonna, we're gonna respond by singing I'm gonna pray for you, but my prayer, and here's how I want you to pray with me, okay? I want you to pray, students, I want you to pray that the idea of God's sovereignty is more than just tonight's theme, but that you, that God would open up your heart to really start to understand just how big he is. Pray with me. Father, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that when we read Paul's letters and, and these verses that you are actually saying stuff to us. And, and God, tonight I, I understand that you're saying to this group of students that you are sovereign and that they can exchange their despair for joy in you. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Give us understanding to see just how big you are, to see how sovereign you are. And as a result of that, they would have comfort they would have peace, they would have joy. Lord, continue to advance your mission, I pray. I pray that your kingdom would be done, that your will would be done in citizens as it is in heaven. I pray, Father, that the students that are not here but they're in, in the classrooms of these citizens, I pray that you would pursue them. I pray for the students at Union and Mountain View and Evergreen, Lord, and Camus, through every middle school, Father to the entire East Clark County, I pray that you would pursue students that don't know you. I pray that the gospel would advance. And I pray that you would use these students to do it. And Father, I also pray for the other part of your mission. I pray for the Christians in this room, for those who have said, I will live for God. I pray, Father, that you would complete the work that you began in them. We're confident that you'll do it. Because Lord, nothing 
will stop you. God, nothing will stop you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.